Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Flushem and Dustin podcast. We're excited to have everyone come back and listen. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast and support us. We do truly appreciate it. Uh, we have been <clears throat> pretty busy lately. Nick has a new puppy, a poodle pointer named Jet, that you have all met on Instagram. Uh, he has been busy training him, getting him up to speed, introducing him to birds, <clears throat> working on his point. A uh, whole new perspective from him coming from a lab to a poodle pointer. He is very enjoying the process. Uh, I've been busy trying to get the dogs out dove hunting. Uh, we've been on two hunts now. Uh, opening morning, we got 10. The other day, we went to a chopped cornfield and uh, with a friend of mine that I go waterfowl hunting with and <clears throat> we're able to get four. So the opening morning dove hunt is up on YouTube. So be sure to go check out that video and uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we would love to get our channel up over a thousand subscribers. So again, go check it out on YouTube at Flushem and Dustum. Hunting season is fully ramping up. We are uh, getting geared up to go out to Wyoming for our sage grouse trip. Uh, I'm also gearing up to start the waterfowl season. Early goose opens uh, in Iowa on off. That'll be the early season. So limits five on that, which is kind of fun given that I was only two and three during the season. This podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready, reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. Hunt Ready just launched their new <clears throat> Elevate series. Uh, you can get the Elevate Upland Pursuit, the Elevate Upland Ambush, and the Elevate Upland Drifter. They're already pre-configured lighter weight than their original EV8 series. Uh, not as much configuration, but still configurable. So very good option for shorter days in the field, shorter hunts uh, for any, or for anybody that just doesn't need as much gear um, on them. Go check out the Elevate series. If you do need more gear, check out their Deviate series. You can make these as customizable as you want. You can switch pouches up. You can put on different attachments uh so make the vest how you want it so go check out hunt ready at huntready.com that's h-u-n-t-r-e-d-i.com we're also brought to you by upland outfitters upland without the a it's u-p-l-n-d outfitters.com uh <clears throat> we recently got their clothing and i truly love their ultralight uh power wool shirt or it's a pullover hoodie super super comfortable uh it also looks really good where you can kind of wear it uh hunting you can wear it out and about uh very versatile so it's not just something that you have to wear hunting but and it fits it fits so nice uh love it love it love it go check it out uh they also have their upland <clears throat> pants the relentless pants uh, they're made of tweed DuraStretch, uh, which makes them breathable. They stretch in the areas that you need them. They're also wind resistant and have a DWR coating that makes water just beat off of them. So um, I wouldn't say they're 100% waterproof, but they are going to keep you dry for a long time uh, walking <clears throat> through the thick grass. Uh, we're also brought to you by B Pro Kennels. This is a exciting kennel that I'm super stoked to, to be running um, 
with having the bed storage system as well as the storage on top of the kennel. <laughs> I'm going to have tons of storage options, uh, easy access to my gear, but it's all going to be in lockable compartments. The kennel itself that the dogs will be in is made from 100% aluminum and it is built with a rigid frame that's similar to a roll cage in off-road vehicles, so extremely durable. Uh, makes me feel safe going down the road at interstate speeds. Uh, so super stoked to have this. Uh, a cool, another cool feature is the solar panel, so you can charge up gear if you're uh, on longer hunting trips uh, where you don't have chargers, you have a power source uh, that way. And it also has lights on it that you can hook up to your truck. So when you hit your brake lights or you turn on your blinkers, those lights are also going to turn on on the kennel. So it gives you, makes you more visible going down the road, which is super cool. Lastly, we're also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. Uh, we've worked with Gundog Outdoors since the start of the podcast. Uh, truly, truly appreciate their products. Uh, we really enjoy it. Their first aid kit, it has everything in it that we need uh, in a nice compartment, nice packaging, uh, super easy to open up and get the materials out uh, without having to search through a big bag of things. And it's just perfect for for trips, uh, for days in the field. Uh, we also use their quick release system uh, <clears throat> out in the waterfall fields. Super nice to have, gives you comfort that your dog's not going to break. Uh, the dogs do well with it. We've worked with it uh, multiple times and super simple mechanism to use, uh, but very, very effective. So again, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, let's get to flushing and dusting. Welcome back to another Flush and Dustin podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready. Uh, it's me, Tyler, on tonight. Nick, unfortunately, uh, he's unable to make it. He had his daughters are sick, which got him sick. So, uh, fortunately, it's just me tonight. You don't get the funny guy on the other side. But uh, we do have a guy we're looking forward to talking with, uh, Rocky. He is out of Utah. Um, so, we've been following each other on Instagram. Uh, and uh, he's actually getting geared up to go elk hunting uh, later in this month and uh, likes chasing birds. So Rocky, we'll have you introduce yourself yeah. and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Rocky Watt, uh, born and raised here in Utah, northern Utah. So I'm, I'm half hour, 45 minutes north of Salt Lake for those who are familiar with the area. But uh, my hunting story is kind of different than a lot. So I'm an adult onset hunter. My dad is a retired Green Beret Colonel. Oh, um, he's also chief of police, local PD for a lot of years. Uh, so it was never a, it was never a, you know, not associated with hunting, not around the outdoors, nothing like that. It was a time thing. I played a lot of ball growing up. Uh, so just never got into it until about 21 is when I started to get into it. I went on a couple of duck hunts in high school. Kind of was around it a little bit, you know, cutting class and going, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. running around kind of thing. Doing high school um, things, right? <laughs> right, right. But never carried a gun, never shot. And I, was, I actually got my hunter safety at age 21 and just nice. kind of picked up from there. So, uh, I've, and I've been loving it ever since. I've always been a dog guy. 
Yeah. My mom will tell you from growing up, I would bring home dogs all the time, strays or, you know, <laughs> you know people are giving them away at the supermarket. I'm yeah. bringing home one with me. Uh, so we, we had neighbors pick them up and do some different things for us and help us out. Took a few to the shelter. Yeah. Um, but always loved dogs. And so when I had the chance to get into hunting, started loving that, but uh, was still interested in the dog game. And when I found out the two could be combined, it was, it just took off from there. So been around dogs now and hunting dogs for 20 plus years and loving it. Yeah, for sure. When, uh, so you were, you were 21 when you started, um, what, what drew you into keeping going? And then what was your, what dog got you started uh, in the dog and hunting game? Yeah. So hunting, a good friend of mine got me into it. We went bow hunting. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a fun story. So I, I'm not a great bow hunter. I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not super quiet. <laughs> I'm yeah not, you got those I'm heavy not, feet walking through the woods yeah and i'm not the paint your face guy and you know i'm just not that guy and so yeah. I, i'd go on the stocks and do that kind of stuff and the only thing we got close enough to on my first go uh was a spike buck i mean he was probably the size of a german shepherd mule deer <laughs> we don't have white tail deer yeah. here. um but just had just enough antler to be legal and he nice. was the only thing I could get a shot at. And from there, I was just kind of, I was hooked on the big game thing. But honestly, at that point, the biggest part of hunting was the camaraderie. Like, had a great time shooting it with my buddies, you know, hanging out, talking, just us up in the hills. A friend has yeah. a cabin you know, kind of down south. So we go hang out there. Met a ton of new people. I mean, just, and, and it's that kind of social thing along with the, the natural aspect of hunting. You're out in nature you know, communing with the land, whatever you want to call that, uh, yeah. it just kind of ties together. So yeah, uh, from that point on, I was set. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, so last year was my first year of like, a, I would say full on waterfowl hunting yeah. where, uh, you know, I probably did almost as much, maybe even just a little bit more than um, upland hunting uh mainly goose hunting we did get a couple duck hunts but uh weren't too successful with them but it's funny because the guys that i waterfowl hunt with are all one of them's retired uh the other one he's close to retirement you know a couple years away so they're in their 60s you know and i'm 34 years old um but we talk we talk all the time now you know and like we're completely different spectrums of you know where we are in life and whatnot but you know they they're like oh you know they're always calling how's Murph and Lola always asking about them you know and then like yeah they got me took me fishing uh, a few times this summer and they have like the cool thing is they've been in the outdoors for like for their whole life you know and they have such old time tricks that you know you just never would have thought of like right. without actually and then they tell you and it's like oh well that makes a lot of sense you know to do stuff yeah. so it's like that's cool and you know the how you were talking about the camaraderie and whatnot mm -hmm. it's like it just can bring you together you know well and that's it's the funny my wife gives me the hardest time because we'll go to weddings and, and my so my wife coaches cheer at the local high school so there's okay. a lot of like i said four daughters a lot of emotion in my house, a lot of glitter, a lot of spirit fingers, that kind of, which is great. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times it puts you into events and things that you're not always a fan of being there, right? It's yeah. just, just not your typical. So we'll go to yeah. the, we'll go to the, you know, the cheer events and different things, but there are other dads there and there are a few, I can sit down and, you know, and you can generally, the, the great thing about hunters is you can typically tell 
a little bit like they give off a certain persona right like, yeah, whether it's sure. clothing and the camel or something else so you yeah. just get talking and then from there you can make new friends you can share new stories i and it's in next events like you're looking forward to it right so it's just yeah. this social draw um no matter what it is some people are love big game uh, and, and honestly, this outcome will probably be my walk off as far as big game goes. And I'm just going to focus on dogs. That's where my real passion lies. But uh, at this point, like that's a great thing, the camaraderie around that. I don't think people who have never done it don't quite understand how and just how strong that can be. That Yeah. That yeah. They look at it as you're just out there killing game, but it's, it's way right. different. You know, it's right. there's some people out there that that's probably all they're out there for. But I could go out on a hunt and not even shoot a bird and <laughs> as long as i'm with a couple of buddies like yeah. that you know it's still a good day yep. you know the dog Absolutely still got right. work he's still got out and enjoyed it you weren't just sitting on the couch you know watching football on a sunday afternoon yeah which i still yeah. like to do but it's like <laughs> you know it's yeah it's it's a yeah. great time but yeah. you mentioned uh uh the elk hunt just a, a minute ago uh and before we hopped on the podcast, you mentioned that you've been waiting for a long time to draw the tag. How does that process in Utah work? And then uh, just talk yeah, about so like Utah. leading up to it. Yeah. So Utah has a point system, not, not too dissimilar from other States where you put in, if you, if you know, you're not going to be able to hunt that year, you can buy a bonus point or a preference point and kind of rack points that way. Every time you draw it or unsuccessful, you rack a point that way. And so you're building points, which kind of gives you a, a, a lead in the queue, so to speak, and some priority over the other people putting in with less points or less effort or less time, I should say, yeah. uh, having submitted for those hunts. So to draw, this is a muzzleloader elk hunt down in a, in a unit where I've always deer hunted. In fact, it's where I, I bow hunted and got that first deer. Right. And we've seen elk down there and there are a lot of big elk. Uh, I've just never had anything other than a spike tag and didn't really put much effort into looking for spikes ever. So... Um, so I have 15 points, um, which represents just over 15 years worth of drawing or a couple of years I didn't put in. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so it's like, all right. So you're 21 when you start hunting. Yeah. You do the Holy math. crap. Can you you do? Do? So then when you draw, successful or not, you cannot resubmit or re-enter the elk for elk, uh, elk limited entry anyway for five years. It might, in fact, it might be seven. But I think it's five. Oh, wow. So you've got that waiting period and then you figure another 15 to 20 at that point. I'm, I'm not going to be packing Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are, so, yeah, are you so going that, like, this would be the lifetime to walk off, you know, one and done hunt for me and then go back to what I really enjoy. Yeah. So. Are you doing like a, a self-guided where you yeah. pack in and stay out overnight or like, how's nothing, that? No, or, nothing too nothing too hardcore that way. So a friend of mine has a cabin near the unit. Um, okay. So we'll go down and stay. We've got some side-by-sides and things we'll take nice. down and then, you know, drive out, stay out all day, come back at night, cook a hot meal. So we'll have, you know, hot meal, bathroom, yeah. a little bit yeah. of comfort there. <laughs> nothing so, wrong with that. So, right. So none of the freeze-dried stuff, none of the real pack-in, you know, crazy stuff like that. So yeah, um, it should be a great time. Yeah. How many days is that for? Uh, so it runs the 26th through the 7th. Um, I've got that first full week off of work. Talked to my wife. I said, Hey, obviously she knows the situation. So she's on board, you know, Hey, go nice, yep. we'll about things here. Um, I'll actually take two of my dogs with me. Uh, and we can talk about that. I mean, I actually picked up a pup from your neck of the woods here a couple weeks. Oh, ago. really? Yeah. So, um, 
So I'll take the two big ones with me and maybe grouse hunt during the hot afternoons Heck uh, yeah. and in the evening again, kick it back out for, yep. for elk. So it should be a great time. Yeah. Do the, do that blue grouse out there or what? Uh, I've got roughs and blues. Yep. Okay. So roughs and blues. Um, yeah. So I think pine dusky, you know, depending on the terminology. Yeah. Yep. For sure. No, that, that elk hunt will be a, a blast. How many guys are going with you or is it just you? No. You know, so I've got two buddies, uh, and, and well, so one thing I left out of this, so it's so lined up that my deer tag came in at the same time. So I've got an elk and a deer tag, same unit, same time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it should, like I said, it should be. Your truck, your truck might not be able to pack all the meat back. <laughs> right. So, so I've extended invites to a few people to come down and I'll, I'll pass out meat uh, to everybody for sure, you know, and family up here as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've got three of us going down for sure. And a couple others who have mentioned, you know, they'd like to come down and, you know, the more the merrier, come on down. So. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And you just mentioned before you got, you're bringing two dogs with you. Yeah. Uh, and you, do you only have, do you only have two dogs or you have more than two dogs? Sound like got, you have more. So I've got, yeah, so I've got three right now. Um, okay. And we can talk about them. And then my wife has, so I, when we got engaged, I bought my wife the, the lap dog. The, he's a, He's a Pomeranian Yorkie mix is what he was supposed to be. We don't think he is, but um, in fact, he's, he'll be coming up on 18 this year. Um, Holy cow. So he's been, he's, he's been through, he's outlived all of my purebred dogs. He's been yeah. through the houses, the kids, the bread, everything. He's, wow. a, he's a rider. He's a trooper. That is um, crazy. Yeah. So he's mostly deaf, mostly blind. And he's, you know, he's starting to, to sprout little growths everywhere. So yeah. I don't know if he's much longer for the world, but he's been a phenomenal little pup. So yeah, that's awesome though. 18 years is that's crazy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so also, yeah, the conversation around that is, uh, so in fact, a few weeks ago, my wife was saying, you know, him being around so long, I don't know if I could do another one. It just, it just feels disloyal and wouldn't feel right. And so we kind of talk through it and I said hey I get it you know I put down some of my favorite dogs yeah um, and I'll never in fact we can we can touch on this but I'll never have another lab again just because of some things that happened with a previous lab and and I kind of retired her at that point yep. in that breed because of how great she was and so I said I get it so she said you know there's some I know you've been looking at these dogs you know you've talked to the breeder a few times just go get one and you know I'm no. like, all, all right game right. on you know <laughs> yeah don't tell me twice Right. And so, so we made a road trip out to Whiting, Iowa. I don't know if that's near you or not. It's just, just I think past, it's the uh, west side of the state, right? Yeah. So it's about two hours outside of Omaha. We stayed the yeah. night in Omaha, um, drove from Utah to Omaha one day, stayed the night, met him the next day and, and made a weekend out of it. So it was a fast, long trip, but uh, yeah. picked up a new poodle pointer. So it'll be my second poodle pointer. Okay. What's um, the kennel out of Dino? So he's, he's a first time breeder. Whiskey river is the name of the kennel. Okay. Um, but the mom and dad have some phenomenal lines. If you know, Bob Ferris's dogs, at yep. all, my other dogs out of Bob Ferris, um, nice. out of his kennel, Cedar Woods and I, right. Yep. Um, but if you know his dogs at all, you've heard of Romo, um, who he claims is just a phenomenal dog. So the grandsire to my dog is Romo. And then his dad or her dad, I should say, sorry, is Maverick is cases, the call name for that dog. And he's, I mean, he's tearing up all the tests, just getting phenomenal scores. Um, looks a lot like Romo, that tighter coat, but some really cool looking uh, furnishings and facial yeah. hair. Yep. And, and she's got all the makings of that. But on her mom's side, uh, she's, so she's got uh, Rock Creek coming in, Edmund Fitzgerald, and you know, some of those prize dogs, okay. and then a European import. And so she's actually a black 
poodle pointer, which is oh nice, that's really cool. cool. Yeah, so yeah. I've never seen one in person, just in pictures. But she's got all the cedar wood lines I like, the Rock Creek lines I like, yep. and then a little bit of the European import. So it's uh, it was just perfect for me. Yep. How'd you come across him? So on Facebook of all things, so I, I joined, and he doesn't have much, he doesn't do much on social media. Um, yep. And Jason Christofferson's his name, and um, I just happened to see a, a picture he had posted, and I said, hey, you know. I see the lines on these. They look really great. Tell me a little bit about them. And, and, you know, you probably don't have any left, but I'd love interest in your next litter or something. He said, I actually have two females, you know, people have dropped and um, sent me a couple of pictures. One was kind of a wooly bugger and the other yep. one had a tighter coat, right? You know, yep. how they, they can vary. And uh, as I said, Hey, you know, put my name on her. We'll, we'll get her done. So <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. She's been a handful so far, but, but she's, uh, she's fun to have around. Yeah. Dang. I wish Nick was on the, podcast tonight because he if you've listened to any of the last ones he's went from a lab because he just he's had three in his diesel the one that he has now is just like a super special to him you know and he's like i just couldn't get another one and yeah. he chose the poodle pointer what so is this your first poodle pointer or what's your other two so it's my second poodle pointer okay um, so yeah so let me give you so i had labs and i had one lab that had a had an accident happen and paralyzed her front two legs. I ended up having oh, to put her down. And she was a phenomenal dog. And so I, I said, oh, that's my last lap. Yeah. And I had been watching, if you're familiar with the, the uh, BDC challenges, the bird dog circuits and those yep, uh, yep. boot shoot events, they, they were on ESPN one night. I don't know what hour it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a late hour. Yeah, and, I, and I'm watching these pointing dogs go, and I, and I was hypnotized. And I said, man, those are just awesome. And so started doing some homework there. And I picked up a short hair that was uh, a grandson of Rawhide's clown. So I had a Rawhide kennels, um, but the breeder was here local. And so uh, I picked up that dog and had a short hair uh, and loved him. Did some, did some Nastra stuff with him to shoot to retrieve. Okay. Um, first time training a pointing dog. So he, he went through a lot of bumps with me. Uh, it's, yep. a, it's a whole different game. Um, so, I mean, he had a miserable trainer, and but he still did really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and most people that have hunted with me over the years know him. His name was Chuck. Uh, his registered name was Rawhide's, uh, Rawhide's Clown Chuckles. Nice. And uh, Rawhide's Rockstar Chuckles. Sorry, but that's awesome. Uh, so phenomenal dog and, and just loved pointing dogs at that point. Yeah. Um, so, and did and I'm kind of, taking you used to you duck hunt stuff too then? I do. And so yeah. I started looking at poodle pointers at that point because as great as Chuck was, um, and in fact, I have, not to be weird, I have his ashes in a box in the garage. I uh, uh, totally the, understand. With the pheasant feathers, and, and it'll just always be with me. But yep. um, he, water might as well have been lava to him. He hated water. Really? He just would hit the brakes. It could, be, it could be one inch of water. The pheasant, 10 feet in is all. He would just hit the brakes. And so I thought, man. Uh, ducks especially where i live uh, i live out by ogden bay which is you know kind of feeds into the great salt lake okay. great waterfowl hunting great duck hunting goose swan um uh, man I, I need to look at something a little more versatile i'm not going to do the lab thing yep. i was part of a forum at that point social media hadn't taken off yet but i was part of a forum um called utah bird dogs and so we we're going through and, and there was a guy on there uh, who had a poodle pointer which i'd never heard of and i thought what what is this thing? Um, yeah. And it was goofy looking, right? And they kind of are goofy looking at first, uh, like a wire hair. It looked yep. it had a longer coat. It had, the, it had the beard and the mustache and everything. So that's kind of cool. But as he was posting videos, I thought, man, that just looks fun. 
And so as Chuck kind of wounded down, um, he, he blew an Achilles and wasn't a good candidate for surgery. So we kind of tripoded our way around pheasant hunts and things for a year or two. And then he yeah. just got arthritis too bad. Um, so I, I had gotten my name on a list at Bob's place up at Cedarwood Kennels and waited about a year, about a year and a half. Um, and then was finally part of a litter coming down. It was uh, out of his dog, Diesel, and his daughter's dog, uh, Boise Brown. Nice. And so that dog, his name is uh, Cedarwood's Longmire. We call him Walt. Oh, dude, have you watched the that Netflix series, Longmire? That's exactly what he's Man. named after, yes. That <laughs> is a freaking good TV show. If anybody hasn't watched it, you need to go watch it. Absolutely, yeah. And so we named him after that. He's been a phenomenal dog. Everybody loves him. I'll just say, uh, of all the breeds, and I've got a Kurtzar we'll talk about in a minute, too, um, the, the German short hair. Yeah. she's tremendous she's a phenomenal hunter um, but of all the breeds the poodle pointer has come to be my favorite just because of the yeah, i mean we hunt, we can only hunt so many days a year right yeah and so they're a family dog the vast majority of the time yeah. and i never have to worry about anything with that dog not strange dogs coming in and you know and sparking some kind of scrap yeah. nothing like that with with those dogs um and that's, i just find him to be phenomenal and the kids love him you know he'll come and if i'm not looking he'll sneak off his bed head upstairs to the you know the kids yeah. bedroom crash on their you know whatever and so just just a fun dog to have around great hunter loves the water loves to retrieve and he's just been phenomenal for me yeah that's awesome and then so that's your so he's yeah, my the oldest, gsp yes. then the oldest yeah. one now and now you got the newest so got poodle nope. pointer so i've got one in between so okay I still like the short hairs, um, still a, a breed favorite of mine. The, the DKGNA, um, which is similar to the NADKC, so it's the Deutsch Kurzar Group of North America. Yep. Um, so for those who may not be familiar, you've probably heard of the Drothire. These are good-looking German dogs, right? These, are, these ones are much better looking than those, those wiry buggers. <laughs> um, I love the Drots, but they're, they're just rough on the eyes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, these are the short-haired versions. Uh, and I got into the testing and competing and so, so running through the German testing system with her. Uh, and so I just kind of wanted to touch on, on, on all aspects of versatile breeds. And I love yeah. the poodle pointers. I love the short hairs. They are two different hunting styles for those who have questions. Uh, I'm always game for conversation that way. Yep. And, and most of the local group, in fact, the DKGNA vice president here is uh, Tyler Smith. Mom Hawkland is his kennel. Phenomenal guy to have a conversation with. He's been around a lot of different dogs, both Navda style short hairs and the and the German line short hairs, and yeah. just great conversation. Um, great guy to have around and and kind of just kind of bounce ideas and train with and do different things with. So yeah. uh, the group out here was super supportive. I got into them, started started training, started testing. Uh, we went through the natural ability test, which is the Derby for these dogs, and and it's just it's just awesome to see these dogs excel at what they're born to do. I yep. mean, just, just out of the box, that's, I think that's one of the great things about the German dogs uh, is just out of the box because of the tight line breeding and strict guidelines that they enforce, you know what you're getting from these litters, right? You know, the dog's going to point, you know, they're going to have drive, you know, they're going to have all these things that you, know, you may not quite be confident in, in some of the other uh, breed associations or backyard breeders that come up. Yeah. Um, and so, no, so ran her through uh, the first level of testing. Uh, the next level of testing, which is the Psalms and the AZP, which is a little bit of a harder test. There's a rabbit track, 400 yard yep. plus rabbit drag. There's the duck drag. Uh, we've made it through all of the events except one, which is the blind duck retrieve. 
and we've missed twice on that event. So we were going to test this year. Um, <laughs> it got canceled for different reasons. Yeah. And I had the elk hunt anyway. So we'll test again next year. Nice. Better have a year off the stress. She's like, yeah, she suffers the same problem as some of my other dogs. Their trainer's just terrible. And so yeah. we're all learning together <laughs> yep. and, and they're, they're putting up with me for now. So. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So what is, uh, and you're, so have you ran, you ran Nastra? Have you ran, and you ran Nabda? I, I, so I, my poodle pointer, I, he was scheduled to do an NA test. I've helped at the tests and I've been around the UT enough. I'm pretty familiar with them. Okay. So out of uh, like the, the Nastra, the Nabda, and then like the German, the VJP and those mm -hmm. is the, would you say like the training is a diff varies a lot between the two or is it similar? So, so Nastra is not like the other two. So that one's okay. kind of a, it's kind of a game. Essentially you're competing There's strategy to it, you know, and the braces and different things. So it's, okay. a, it's a little different. Yeah. Um, the the NAVDA test, so the natural ability is kind of similar to the natural ability in the German system, uh, pointing, searching, cooperation, you know, is your dog working with yeah. you or is it just taking off and leaving the field, that kind of stuff. Really basic upfront. The next level test is close. And I think the training has quite a few similarities, but there are differences in the tests. So with NAVDA, they don't do as much with, in fact, they don't do any with the fur work. So they don't do the rabbit. Yeah and that kind of thing, but they do do a duck drag. It's a little bit shorter, but it does use of nose, tracking, retrieving, coming back, right? Yeah. Um, but they do a little bit more focus on pointing. So in the, in the NAVDA utility test, your dog has to be steady to wing shot and fall, has yep. to retrieve to hand uh, and all of that fun stuff, which is phenomenal to see and takes a lot to train to that. Uh, I think yeah. something that a lot of people underestimate as far as the amount of time it takes. Yeah. And effort to get your the dog that birds and tough Yeah. Especially a dog with high drive, breaking that chase is tough. It's hard to do. Yeah. And so kudos to anybody that's that's been able to get through that. Uh, and the on the German side of that, the pointing game, they look for a point. You know, the, the handler comes into flush, and and it, the scoring essentially ends there. So it's not a steady to wing. They don't shoot the bird in that test. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit different than the VGP, which is the higher level. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of in between that. Right. But you do, like I said, the 400 yard plus rabbit search and drag. Uh, and then they bring that back. They do a similar thing with duck, which is about 150 yards. OK. Um, and then they do a, a little bit more in the water. Similar kind of thing. You don't do a steady to blind, but you do a blind retrieve where you've got to send the dog across the pond. They've got to find a duck that's been placed out there somewhere. Yep. Bring it back, retrieve the hand. No commands at any point. Right. So it's just got to be send the dog once and hope that they do the job you train them to do. And so, yeah, I know like now do they have the, it's like they have to be out there for 10 minutes on the duck yeah. search. Is that the same as in the German or is German? Like they find it, they bring it back, they're done. So it's two events. So it's, they both run the blind search where you send the dog out. The dog's got to find the duck, come back. And then they yep. do in the German test, what's called the search behind the duck. So they actually, before the dog comes to, comes to heel or comes to the bank, excuse me, the judges will throw a duck out into the water okay, and then have it swim off across the pond to one of the banks or across the river, depending on your testing grounds, to one of the banks. So there's been a live duck there in the water. Okay. But at that point, you send your dog, you bring your dog up. You don't know. They kind of give you a direction. The duck's kind of gone that way. Send your dog across to find it. So you send your dog to find the live duck. And if, the, if they retrieve it, if they catch it, great, retrieve it, bring it back to hand. If they chase it out of the reeds, there is a shooter on site that will shoot that duck for them. 
Okay. And then have them retrieve it and bring it back. So it's a little bit different in NAVDA. In NAVDA, you send your dog out and it's essentially the search, right? So it's a duck search. It's a little bit different. And they want your dog to just search for yeah. at least 10 minutes. They want them moving around, searching the ground, swimming around, you know, everything out there. And, and I think at some point, if they come back too soon, they'll actually have you resend the dog uh, and, and potentially lower your score. Yeah. So similar in kind of principle, similar in goal, a little bit different execution as far as the testing goes. Yeah. One thing that I think is cool about um, Navta and the German is it's, they focus so much on the dog's nose, the yes. ability of the dog to use its nose and know what it is. We're like, you know, in the retriever world where AKC and those stuff, it's all stop to whistle and I'm going to get you, I'm yeah. going to give you a hand signal to get yeah. you close to the bird and you're not going to have to really use your nose to, to find it, you know, but like, if you think about it, a lot of hunting situations, the dog needs its nose to have success and we need the dog to have a good nose for our success, you know? So I think that's a really cool thing for that, um, for those testing systems that they focus so much on the nose. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I was a little, I didn't know what to expect going in. So before I picked up the DK, I went to a few events, I went to a few training days, kind of just to get an idea on what, you know, so I planted birds for one of the tests, talked to the judges afterwards, just to get an idea on what it is expectation wise. And even then, even then it's, it's nerve wracking, right? You get out there, you've got a gallery evaluating you, you're walking around, you know, you're hoping your dog doesn't do all the dumb stuff you've seen them do while you're training. (laughs) and and they always the craziest shit always comes out of the dog when you bring them to those tests you know so last year's test we ran the duck drag and so they they you know you bring the duck you they take your duck they drag it out a couple hundred yards you've got to send your dog so uh the dog can't drop the duck and leave it you know and then come back so there's there's some rules around it so i send my dog out and she's right on the track i'm just she's a phenomenal dog she's got a great nose she does everything at 100 miles an hour, so she just flies, and that's not always typical of some of the DKs. Yeah, she's she's kind of faster paced than a lot of them that I see, um, but she gets it, and and is coming back, and then just realize she's got to take a dump, <laughs> and so she veers off track. She's you know she's coming back to me, veers clear off, stops, duck's still in her mouth. Yeah, takes the dump, drops the duck for a minute, finishes taking the dump, picks the duck back up. I mean, I'm just puckering at this point like i don't know yeah. what you can't say anything yep. can't, and i'm just like man here we go again like, I'm, I'm out i'm done i'm going home early like this yeah come on and uh, the judges i can hear them laughing like <laughs> so, so i'm glad my misery is funny to somebody yeah but just pins and needles that kind of thing right you send yep. your dog on these things that you've trained all year for and just hope for the best and, and yep. so far we've come up goose egg on that level two test but uh, it's, it's fun i mean it's yeah. certainly fun training yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty tough. I was kind of reading about them today a little bit, and it's a there's some technical stuff that needs to be done to pass it, you know. And yeah, um, you know, so I think it's kind of cool too that uh, what you know where the, you can't give them commands when they go out, and they just gotta like you just gotta trust your dog because how yeah. many times are you out there? You yep. get a down bird, and the dog is over there. It's like, well. I got to trust them. You know, I can't be yeah. over here yelling and trying to take their mind away from it. And, you know, thinking I know where it's at and they know better. 
Yeah, and I know a lot of guys, that's when they start, you know, getting heavy on the e-collar and the electricity yep. and that kind of thing, which is not something I like to do much of. My dogs wear them, you know, for yep. a few different reasons, but I try to stay off the, the juice for the most part. Yep. So, so, yeah, you've got to trust your dog. And that's what you spend, you know, the, the puppy stage in the next couple of years you're going, that's what you spend all your training doing is building that bond and the trust and the confidence that they know what they're doing. And then, yep. and then hopefully it shows through. If you're out hunting, you can yell a little bit more, you know, hear whatever else yeah. and kind of remind them. Yeah. Um, in the blind search, the event that's kind of scratched us both times, she's gone, swam across, no problem, uh, found the duck, but it's in a wildlife area where there are other live ducks and things around okay. to run this test. And so my, as my best guesstimate is on, some, on what's going wrong is she's going over and then, you know, picking up the duck and then just, you know, just kind of loses concentration. Yeah, probably has so much uh, scent around, you know. Yeah, or... and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm <clears throat> trying to cough and remind her, you know, without <laughs> saying anything, just finding anything I can to get her to come back. And and the, the both times, for whatever reason, she's dropped the duck and swam back. Yeah. And so if they do that, it's considered leaving game in the field. It's yep. an immediate fail and no longer, you know, long, you know, you've got to go home at that point. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah so it's been it's been phenomenal she's a phenomenal hunter she excels in the water nice. um, far more than than i thought she would as a short hair right but you just don't you just don't expect that from them yeah um but she's got to drive like no other and so she's she's been a blast um one thing that happened is my wife has come down a little bit allergic to the short hair she sheds a little okay. bit so that fine short hair whether it's the german short hair a frenchie anything else she's starting to get hives and things which we're not sure why but huh. that kind yeah, of interesting kind of limits me on future DKs. I'm not a big fan of putting dogs out in the kennel out back and leaving them out there. I like in the nighttime, they're in the house, in the kitchen, laying on the floor, yep. you know, that kind of thing. So I've got to have them around. They're part yeah, of the family. For sure. So I agree with that. Pointers will probably be my, my breed for a choice from here out. So, yeah, I know before we hopped on the podcast, you kind of mentioned the Deutsch Longhar. That yeah. So they're another one. I've, I've looked, I've taken a hard look and they're, they're really cool, right? Because they're, they're kind of an obscure breed. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people know about it's just no. one of those breeds. It's kind of like, what is that thing? It's gotta be a Munsterlander. It's gotta be maybe some kind of cocker, right? Or somebody yep. start to look, you know, and read it. And I've talked uh, to Ms. Wapensky was on your podcast and I have talked yep. to her a little bit about them. Um, she had a, a litter recently and I thought one was going to make it to Utah. I was super excited to maybe get a look at it up close, but they didn't, ended up had didn't have the right, amount of puppies or the right gender of puppies i don't know but either way so there's not one here that i know of yet um yeah but they're definitely one i've got an eye on now their testing is more strict in the german system yeah um i think she mentioned on that podcast the hardness test yep. which is not something that a lot of people you know can can stand of. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i can a, imagine it's something hard to understand but it's definitely something that helps ensure that the dog you get has all the skills and natural ability that you're looking for in that breed, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's got to be some understanding there on that part. But yeah, yeah they're a, really cool. Um, I, I hope to one day get a look at one up close for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I kind of have my eyes on those a little bit too. Like, so right now I have goldens and I'm at that point where they're just like, they're good dogs for now, but I, I realize that the versatile breed and having that pointing aspect you do have advantages you know in the upland game over you know just a normal flushing dog um, and just heading out west and hunting that terrain and bigger ranging and 
longer days and, you know, being able to get on point at 150, 200 yards out and holding it till you get there, you know, as you say, you just have it, those advantages. So I'm kind of in that process too of what do I want? And I, yeah. my biggest thing is one of the big things is, is my wife has to be happy with it too. You know, <laughs> like she needs yeah. to like how the dog looks. And the cool thing about the, uh, the Deutsch Longhar is, they have like the retriever face with that, like a little bit longer nose uh, and then the full yeah. tail, you know? And so they kind of remind me of, a, um, of how a retriever is maybe built a little bit, but they have the stamina and the speed of a, of a pointing dog, you know? Yeah, and it's really cool to see. It's like, it's like the setter, right? That iconic yeah. silhouette of a pointing dog, that long flat yep. tail, just something gorgeous to, to, to see. So yeah, yeah, really cool to look at. Yep. If, uh, and you mentioned that hardness test, there's a, a guy on Instagram, uh, I think it's infidel outdoors. He's down in Texas. I believe he has draughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and his one draught is like, I think he says like 110 pounds, just a big <laughs> dog, massive. And uh, he posted a video uh, last it was last week or two weeks ago of his draught getting hold of a coon. Yeah. And those it, dogs. It, I was yeah. like, that dog passed the hardness test without a, missing yeah, so, a beat. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, and that's what it is. And so in Germany, the hunting game in Germany is a different game, right? So yeah. when they send dogs out of field, if there's a predator, a skunk, a raccoon, yep. you know, fox, and those kind of varmints out there, they want that dog to stop what they're doing and dispatch them. And so that expectation, because we still follow those guidelines, is an expectation that transfers yep. here as well. And, just, you know, we, we're a little, we've got a little less appetite for that kind of thing in the American hunting world, at least a lot of us. There are, yep. I mean, the drunk guys still love it, right? And they'll tell you that. But I, and I'm, you, in Utah, the, the draught organization is big. There's a lot of them out here yeah um, they're all buying you know the skunk cleaning stuff because they're dogs. <laughs> i like to give them a hard time and tease them a little bit they're always grabbing skunks and things uh, but they're they're tremendous hunters and they're machines yeah um, but they they do have a little bit of an edge to them and so do i mean frankly so does my short hair my dk she's got a little more edge to her than than some of the other dogs around so just something to keep in mind is that's is that's coming around yeah with those breeds and i would say as you're looking at, at breeds Get a get a first hand look. Don't take anything just yep. on Instagram or anything else. Right? Get a first hand up close look at a yeah. few of them if you can, but at least at one. Even if you've got to travel to a NAVDA test, yep. or to a breeder. I think she's out on the west coast, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, yeah. We kind of yeah. talked like if she can make if if she comes out to like the Dakotas to hunt or something, yeah. Yeah. and maybe drive out there. And I'm big on that. Is you know you can show me that they got a you know, 112 prize one on their NA and they pass their UT and stuff, but I need to get, I need to see them like in person. I need to know how they're built, you know, how do they hunt? You know, testing is so much different than hunting. Um, That's my big thing is for my next one. I, if I can, I'm going to do my hardest to see the parents, the mommy and dad or siren dam, however you want to say it uh, out there actually running in the field just to just to really know like okay this is what i can kind of possibly expect from that litter yeah but it's no, not easy when you're looking at have. Yeah, absolutely. you know it's hard though when you're looking at 
breeds that are there's 300 of them you know in the u.s or they only have two litters a year in the whole united states or something you know it makes it yeah makes it tough well and the other aspect of that is i love social media because i love this i don't do a ton on it i post some things i'm not great with the you know finding up music and overviews of videos. yeah it's not great with that stuff but I, I do get some cool photos every now and then i'll post up. yeah but it's cool to see all the different kennels i've seen the infidel outdoors page i've seen a bunch of others yeah, there's really cool things, but the, the thing you're not seeing there is the real life aspect of, of those dogs, right? And that yeah. point, you're seeing the, the point that happens, but you don't see all the heartache and turmoil and body slams and rough training days that went into getting that point, right? Or getting that yep. So there's so much more to it that you don't see in it. And I think that's true of anything with social media. You only see the best of the best, you know, the people yeah. decide to let you see. Yep. And so, and in fact, I don't remember if it was your page or it was somebody's page that posted a dove hunt. And, of and the then, horrible miss yeah so was that, that was me that, you? that was 100 me so when i commented i loved it because you actually showed the real life aspect of it right that you were missing it wasn't perfect yeah. it wasn't you know, some million dollar point that happened <laughs> first and then hand perfect retrieve the hand like it's the real life view of things because that's how most times that's how it is like yeah you're out God. hunting your dog hits a porcupine and that's a nightmare oh. I'll, I'll tell you i've been through enough of it that it's just like you don't see, you see a little more of the porcupine stuff. And if you look back on some of mine, you can see the nightmare we had. We went through three surgeries with my German dog because she oh, really? broken off yep, under her skin. Dang. And so there's, there's all these different things that go into it. You just don't always get to see. And, and that's similar to when you're choosing a dog in a breed. If you only look at a test score on paper or only look at the one video that was 10 seconds of the perfect point on Instagram or something, there's a lot more to it than that. And you may end up with something you're not quite game for uh, and i agree then you've got a bigger mess on your hands right and so uh, a lot of due diligence to do with these breeds so it sounds like you're doing it which is you know commanding yeah sure yeah uh, i like all the breeds the deutsch longhar is one i'm super curious to see how you end up because that's one i've been looking at as well i know they shed so you do get the long hair around yeah um, yeah the, the german testing is a tough system they actually make male and female do the hardness you know in, in some yep. of the other worlds it's only the male okay um so a little bit of difference there, but some just some really cool dogs. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple other breeds that aren't German uh, that I'm looking at, but like I said, I'm so new to what I want to do. I'm I'm yeah. you know three years out, but I figured you know it could be a I could be on a two year waiting list potentially with you know yeah. Oh, yeah. the breeds yeah, I'm going definitely. for aren't you know they don't have many litters a year and. I want to be very particular on what kennel I get them from and what Absolutely. parents, you know, they are and the lineage that they have and whatnot. So, cause like yeah. my, my goldens, I got them, you know, and they're not from any special lines or anything. And, you know, now that we've, it's kind of things have ramped up with the, the dog world and the bird hunting <laughs> world for me, you know, and it's like, yeah, all right, yeah. now I'm, I'm ready to, you know, really step up the game of getting into it. And, um, yeah. And it, it's, it's cool to see, uh, and it's different regionally, right. The kind of breeds yeah. that you run into and I'm out here out West, obviously. So I see a little bit, of, I don't think I've ever seen a golden hunting. Yeah. I see a lot of the park dogs and family dogs. Yep. And, you know, they're great dogs, but I, I just don't see many hunting. And it's kind of, you see that, like they started out that way and they kind of, Yes. Swapped into family dogs. Like a, I think a lot, that's the case a lot of times with labs. Yep. 
Um, they've yeah. become more backyard dogs and they have a hunting breed in some in some areas. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's really cool to see the different, there are so many different breeds cool. and some really cool dogs to see. Yeah. So it's really just, you depending on your preference, you really have so many options. Yeah. I just bought the book. I wish I had it down here, but it's upstairs. Um, it's a pointy book by Craig Koshik, I think is his last name. Oh, that's the, so it's the one you mentioned on that podcast with the with uh, with Penske, right? With, yeah. I the first name. Uh, I so I, I bought uh, Jennifer Wapensky. Jennifer. Yeah, yep. sorry. Yeah. And uh, oh, I, I don't know. I haven't got through, obviously, all the breeds. It, the book, it, it looks like a math textbook. The thing is this big oh, yeah. Yeah. by about this wide and, you know, yay thick. And it has, um, so this one is like all the French breeds. And it, it does have some of the Germans because it does have the poodle pointer in it and does have the Deutsch long hair in it. Um, but it's, the regions are like the South and the, the South and the West or the South and the East. Um breeds of dogs and then he's coming out with a volume two that's going to be the north and the west or the north and the east i can't remember um exactly how they're broken down but the dogs are in there i'm like i have never even heard of these you know that he has a small monster landers in there and whatnot yeah, sure. but i'd have to go grab the book to even tell you the names of the other dogs i'm like you know they're yeah. just not over here and yeah, it's um, yeah it's but crazy it's cool because he has like, you know, 10 to 12 pages of material for each dog of like the starting from the very beginning. And then he got to see like each dog in action. And then he gives it like a rating of, you know, versatility of from one to 10 and ranging and how fast they work. And like, it's a, it's a cool book to give you like a, a really good, baseline maybe of what dogs you would kind of the mannerisms or like the sure. you know type of breed you might be interested in so but yeah, it's, yeah there's so many even when you read just the nabda registrable yeah dogs, like there are names on there chesky food check and some of the other obscure <laughs> you're like what is yeah. it those humans yep. still exist and it's just, you get to sleep. yeah with the, with the draw fire right you see like the shtickle hire was you know part of that in in the yep. world the poodle pointer has the Wasser poodle mixed in, which, you know, these are breeds you would never have heard of if you didn't do a little bit of homework. That was yep. really cool. And it's kind of like an endless realm of, of different dogs that you can look into. So, yeah. And it, and it's cool. Those like the poodle pointer and the trots, the long hars, they're like, they're bred specifically for hunting. Right. Right. They're not, they're not bred to just go to a, a family that's not going to hunt them you know and i think that's for me that's cool this like that's a big thing you know for me down the road is like yes i want it to be a family dog and i want it to be good with the family but yeah. i want its first instinct to be hunting when it when it's born i want that you know birds are already on its mind basically yeah yeah well and that's what's great so this little poodle pointer the the youngest so lucy is her name um, yeah some of my daughters will call her Lucifer. Like, <laughs> Have you just, seen that? You know, they're just a nightmare, right? They're just, yeah. They're just, they're just balls of energy. But to see her even just chasing the grasshoppers and the butterflies, she'll point, lunge, chase them up, and just sprint after them. 
I raise, I raise homing. Well, so as part of the dogs, you've got to have birds, right? Yeah. So yep. Got into pigeons. I've got a flock of homers out there about 30 strong. Nice. That's a whole other, you know, fun kind of side hobby that comes along with the dog training. Yeah. Um, we've raised quail over the years. We'll probably do some chucker as well coming up, but uh, yeah, so you, you get into all this and then you just see, and you really can kind of like what you said, you can see that these dogs are bred for that and it naturally yeah. just shows up. Yeah, right? so they can be great. They can have the off switch and lay down in the kitchen, listen to training, that kind of thing. But then when you see them in their element, it's just phenomenal. It's something if you haven't seen, I mean, get out there and just get behind somebody's dog. Most dog guys will take you with them. Yeah. Even if you're not shooting, even if you want to, like they just like to have people out there to see because it's something it just you won't see anywhere else. You've got to be behind the dog to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought on what you were saying before the oh do you live on like a couple acres to be able to have the the pigeons yeah, and whatnot so <laughs> over the years i've had some really great neighbors um <laughs> because we we had only a half acre of the previous house and i had i had a flock of homers i didn't know anything about them yeah and so i didn't have the trap built right so they would get in and out on their own and the neighbor <laughs> had a great shaded uh dormer on his house <laughs> they loved to sit up there oh, I, so, bet. I mean they were great neighbors are still some great friends um i would fertilize you know buy them a bag of fertilizer fertilize their yard you know yeah. that kind of stuff just to make it up to them and then try to catch the birds right yeah. um, we built this house two years ago it's a little closer to the bay and uh, we're on an acre but around us are open acreage kind of oh, nice. so i've got uh, out back on the back half of the lot there i've got yeah the, the little it's an eight by eight kind of shed that I built into a pigeon loft. And then okay. I'll have a 30 by 60 flight pin uh, up this winter for chucker and things. I think that's one of the, as you're involved with the organizations and did one of the, one of the weaknesses right now is you just don't see a lot of people raising birds. And so to run yeah. these tests, you've got to have the birds and they're getting harder and harder to find. So if I can supply local clubs and local tests with even just a handful, um, that's something yeah. I want to probably do. Yeah. So it's yeah. nice to have a place to do that. Do your, do your pigeons reproduce themselves or? They do. In fact, sometimes okay. more so than I'd like. Um, <laughs> and so I took all the nesting boxes out because I like to train with them this time of year. Yeah. And so I don't like, I don't know. And I don't, you know, as you're, as you're trying to catch them to, to put them in the basket or whatever, you may catch the mom and I don't like to take them out training if they've got eggs down or if they've got new chicks down. And so I've got a couple of nests where they've just nested on the ground and are yeah. laying eggs and hatching birds on the ground. And so, I mean, that's their thing, but they're fun to have around. The kids like them. Uh, in fact, I've got a neighbor who, you know, he comes over all the time and checks on my birds just because he had them as a kid and it's oh. kind of a nostalgia thing for him. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so they're, they're fun. And I've seen a lot of dog guys that actually will transition out of dogs and go full-time into birds because, you know, you can race homers yep. and you do all these different things. There are pedigreed birds that you can pay thousands of dollars really? for, for breeding. Oh Yeah. If you get into the, if you, if you get into that side game of birds, I mean, Mike Tyson races birds, right? Races pigeons. <laughs> and so there's all this, there's this whole other world of pigeon racing yeah. where they track them with lasers and, you know, and the different devices and things. And that's way beyond where I'm going to take that. But yeah. it's just, it's just cool to see some of these different things merge together. That uh, is crazy. All, all kind of the animal and outdoor kind of launch yeah. involved. How, uh, how far do those homers, are you able to take them to training, come back? Yeah, so I'll take them out to the training grounds. There's some dedicated dog training grounds uh, here in the marsh and kind of in the parking lot area that's open part of the year anyway. 
That's a couple miles. That's not far, but I have taken them about 25 miles north and they've made it back. Um, wow. Not all of them, but most yeah. of them. So I, I, I'm sure I lose some to hawks or you know, yeah. different blocks along the way. So Dang, uh, that's crazy. For the most part, they make it back. That's awesome. Yeah. My ground where I'd have to go is about five miles south oh, of town. No problem. They'd beat you home. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. Be racing them as a coming yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. They'd beat you home. In fact, so one of the guys that I knew that ran English pointers for a long time, he, he transitioned out of dogs and got into pigeon racing. Um, and they'll take them. So from where we are, they'll take them to the very top of the panhandle, in, you know, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yeah. Uh, and let them go there and they're racing home. Right. And that's a few hundred miles. And Holy so, crap. oh yeah, it's no joke. They, they, they put some serious distance in. And so, yeah, that's all, that's a whole different game, whole different, I think different kind of bird. It's yeah. not the barnyard pigeons that I've got, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it's, it's cool to see. It's absolutely fun to watch. That is crazy. I never knew that they would, that one, they would be able to go a couple hundred miles, you know, to come back home yeah. and, man that's i'm gonna have to look into that that's gotta be yeah, it's it's a totally yeah it's a totally different game i mean and they're they're so nice to have around to train with they are messier birds right yeah so you have a lot of cleanup because of where we live there are raccoons and things that come around trying to get in there so you, you deal with yeah. that as well yeah. um but yeah definitely worth it and if you're gonna have a bird dog you've got to have birds birds yeah so, i mean that's what makes the dog at the end of the day even just pigeons um, yeah a lot of one of the things people don't realize a pigeon is really close to a dove puts off a really good smell for, you know, as far as game birds go and the dogs love it. Yep. They make great training tools. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. So what's your, uh, you got any goals for this coming season or any good, obviously yeah, so you already we'll make, have your elk trip, but outside of yeah, that, we'll make a few trips. I go to Montana, uh, every winter. So we'll, we'll head up there at some point this year. Um, in fact, the, the breeder I got the gal from, or the, the pup from in Iowa, invited me back out. I've never hunted the Midwest. Okay, cool. Um, so one of the bucket list birds for me is obviously the Bob White, which is kind of yep. the icon, right? And so I'm hoping I can get on old gentleman Bob maybe this year, if not next, and get yeah. out into Kansas and Iowa and some of those areas and hopefully run into some. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so we'll do we'll do a few of those things. We do a youth hunt at a, at a club I'm part of, um, and so... We run the dogs there, guide, try to get kids onto it. That's something that I don't think we're doing near enough of collectively, yeah, yeah. right? We're not, yeah. we're not bringing enough kids into the sport. Um, so I'm hoping to get a, a few things organized that way with some guys and do a little bit more with the youth hunting. So with the nice. last few years with COVID, we haven't been able to host the hunt. We're going to this year, hopefully, uh, we get some sponsors in, get some swag bags and some things yeah. for the kids. Yeah. Um, but it's really just, just getting kids on birds and letting them see and hopefully – they get the same experience we have, right? It's just seeing the dogs work, seeing them on point. Might get to shoot a bird. Most of them don't end up hitting the bird. Right? Yeah. Hey, at least they <laughs> but, still get to but shoot. But they get to see the work, and that's the and that's the whole hook of things. So it's yep. it's fun. You know, guys question, you know, should you really run your dogs around kids and that kind of thing? But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, that's I, I want to get kids into. Yeah, you got to introduce them somehow. People. Yeah, you know, you've got to be willing to put the dogs out there. The dogs love it. If something were to happen negatively, I mean. Yeah, that, that would be awful obviously yeah um but there's always that risk right so getting the yeah. kids involved is super important yeah i agree with that and i th you know that's what hooks me into it is the dog work yeah i could i don't know if i'd even bird hunt if i didn't have dogs it'd be uh, yeah i'll tell you i wouldn't <laughs> I, there's no way i would walk utah. miles yeah. yeah especially in utah i can't imagine chucker hunting without a dog yeah. oh 
Yeah, from the what I've heard of it, right. there ain't no way I'd chuck it on without a dog. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to come out. We can we we can hit the hills. Uh, it'd be yeah. a good time, but it's yeah, it's different. It's different for sure. So, if you didn't have a dog doing that, I mean, that's I mean, it's just torture at that point. <laughs> I agree that we we would like to get out there sometime, you know. And like I said, I probably won't be doing. You know, chopper would be cool. Sorry, my wife just got home, but uh, oh, you're fine. Yeah, no um, the I'll probably wait till I get the versatile dog breed before I start getting into that. I don't know how my my goldens. I mean, if there's a bird, they would find it right, but yeah, I don't think they would last too long in those hills. Yeah, they know? can be they can be rough. Certainly on the paws. I mean, the dogs always come out. You know especially the first few hunts paws cut up on the lava rock. Yeah. So you go through a little bit of that for sure, but it's, it's a good time. Yep. Yeah. We're going out to Wyoming. We leave next week actually. And nice. they said it's a little rocky out there. I bought boots for them just in case. Um, and you put the know. boots on them yet? I have, and they hate them. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. hate them. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping I don't even have to worry about it. Uh, it's only we're only going to be out there for three days so it probably just depends on if we're getting into birds and how many miles we gotta go you know if we don't have to go a ton of miles then probably yeah. shouldn't have to worry about it but if we have to go multiple long you know if every day is a long day before we get into birds maybe their paws will get cut up it's hard to say you chasing sage sage yep yeah. and then so going saturday morning uh, for sage and then if we get our bird so I, like i just want to get one i don't care if we get yeah. more than one right it's a bucket uh, list thing right yeah, so it's, exactly. it's just like the bob white for me yeah sage yeah. they're fun to be around they're fun to and have. uh so if we get one of them uh then we're going to try to find dusky yeah. blue grouse um if we get that then we're going to go to uh sharp tail towards the east side of the state so uh but yeah sage is the main one after that we'll see where we're sitting and try to figure it out from from there um yeah, sounds like the decent amount of birds out there this year we'll see yeah i haven't seen the counts locally so in utah sage grouse you have to draw um, yep because the populations are limited right so you can draw on it if you do draw you get to shoot two birds essentially you got to tag them yeah um the same with sharp tail okay uh, i have a i have actually have a swan tag this year as well oh um, nice it's kind of a similar you know you you put in points and then draw but yeah. it's got a quota on it so at any point that it can get shut and if you haven't hunted you're done for the year so oh wow um yeah so there's some fun things that way sage grouse in wyoming i haven't done i, I just don't i don't run the dogs in the heat i wait till it cools off a little bit yeah especially right now it is hot yeah, that's what um, I've heard. I'm always worried about that. Yeah, uh, especially with the 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 older poodle pointer. He's a little shaggier coated. Okay, uh, and he heats up fast, so, so I'm careful yeah. about that. But grouse hunting is super fun, so you'll have a good. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know if you've done that or not, but it's we have it's one it. of my favorites for sure. We just got our first. Actually, got our first sharp tail last year out in South Dakota. Um, yeah. that was my first experience with grouse, and then the only good thing for Wyoming, I did got a guy that we had on the podcast a while back he's the hunting comedian um he actually lives in wyoming and uh 
he's been given kind of giving updates on what the weather is supposed to be like. And he said, uh, I think around like 9,000 feet. And I'm not sure what the elevation is on the, where our base camp is. I'd have to look, but he said that next week they're looking at possible snow. Yeah. 40s overnight. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, if we can get up and going right away in the morning, you know, and get on birds right away uh, before, you know, it gets hot. Uh, my dogs will do good. Otherwise, man, when when they when it's hot, they don't do with the crab. Yeah, but, and, and with the forest grouse, you'll be in and out of the trees a lot of times. You'll stay in the shade a little bit more. Yeah, than grouse. Yeah, so yep, that's true. You should be okay up there. So yep, but awesome. Well, Rocky, appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a ton of fun. Um, looking forward to seeing your new poodle point of work, and uh, hopefully, you get. <laughs> the bob white uh quail this coming year yeah it's on the list the bob white the prairie chicken there are a few right that they kind of make that upland bucket list and so yeah yeah we've got a few pheasants are my favorite obviously we spend that's my favorite thing in montana we do shoot a lot of sharp tail a lot of huns up there too but yeah pheasants are king um in my mind still so yeah oh yeah they're fun to chase yeah absolutely Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. We won't keep you any longer. Yeah, fun conversation, man. Thanks. Yep. All right. Have a good night.